We are pretending to look at um, a three and three. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars toys began, and Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El regreso del Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. It's Kivecast. Present Star Space Station with a snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird a monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Hud, Chewbacca, and Steven B. Dent. Market data mined by Brisbane Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fratastic Pete. Tech support by the Lowe Ones. Wampa Wampa, Space Freaks. It's just me. So, there's kind of a long story about this. Skype changed their system, and then the call recorder didn't work, and then Steve and I and Ron got together last night and recorded for an hour and a half, but it created this file on my computer that was literally two gigs. That's the big one, right? Gigs? Megs? Gigs, the big one. And it basically crashed my computer and made it so I couldn't use it, and most of the audio didn't work, and in order to record it at all, I had to hear myself in my own headphones. And so that made it like really difficult for me to talk, and I was even weirder than usual, because also I'd been listening to the Comedy Bang Bang podcast right before, which is worse than doing drugs because you get all into this like ironic humor. So I had a drum machine that was next to me that I played instead of the usual drops. <clears throat> and it was just, uh, it, that's the lost show. So it's, it's Kivecast 54. And, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's best that we just have this little, little piece of quiet because this is a huge month. And so first of all, on behalf of Steve, uh, I say this is uh, Kivecast 54 for the months of July and August, and uh, I will eventually say adios for him as well. But it's just going to be me. And this month is, once again, see the thing is about the summer is that it's not my uh, usual schedule. So for some reason that just completely throws me off, and we usually wind up having what I call double episodes. So I think we might call this Kivecast 54 and 55. Um, you know, like Sports Illustrated is a weekly magazine, but they, uh, you know, in the, every once in a while I'll just say, this is a double issue, the double college football issue. I don't know what. And then that sort of makes it so they're still a weekly. So I think in the summers from here on out, we'll just have summer double-wide super special episodes like this one. But this one is very special. It's going to be divided into two different parts, news and story time. So we'll just talk about, um, we'll talk about all these crazy, amazing, interesting things that are happening. And then at the end of that, we're going to talk, we're going to hear collector stories from about six different people. And then Steve and I, you'll get to hear Steve's dulcet tones. We will actually get to hear us as we talk to the folks over at the farthest from, uh, um, 
festival, uh, Jubbly Wampa in, um, was it Hedfordshire? No, Sussex upon Essex. What is the name of that place? Darbyville? Um, Fordingham. Fordingham. I got it. Uh, yes, so you will hear our uh, intervention over there. So all of that is what's awaiting you. Um, but I have, I'm now recording this on the first floor because the temptation to play with the drum machine while recording is too great. So no absurdist humor um, and no drum machines, which is great. Uh, no Steve and no Ron, which is terrible, but hopefully it'll all even itself out because the content is awesome. So let's hit the actual news drop, shall we? Clones. Watch out! It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. The news from Kenner. Here's the news. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. News from Kenner. Here's the news. It's Kenner's news. New, 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 new from Kenner. Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Gee, Steve. It's weird, uh... Steve? Oh, yeah. Right. He's not here. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, back again. It's the Sky Animal. And let's talk about the news. So the big news, and hopefully you've noticed this by now, uh, is that the archive is totally new. Well, not totally new. It's celebrating its 20th anniversary. And about a year-ish ago, uh, I guess we got the heads up and realized we should do something. And uh, so we've been working together and trying to think of ideas. And finally, it's been decided that there's now going to be a new front page. And uh, one thing that got erased was Ron talking about the history of the archive and 20 years ago, how it started and how there was no internet and all that kind of stuff. And I realized there's just too much to say. And so let's make this the year of the archive. Let's have people come on and tell stories about how it evolved. Because in a lot of ways, the story of the archive is the story of the internet. <laughs> That sounds pretentious. Um, I'd say I don't have Steve here to like, tell me it's okay. Um, but it, it, at least for my, in my opinion, it's like my, probably my favorite site on the whole internet because it taught me so much. And part of this whole podcast was trying to create something that would draw more attention to the archive. So to that end, um, we sort of designed this new look on the front page. What we were trying to do was stay true to John Wooten's original design, or the design he came up with in like 1997, but make it more, I think Ron's words were, clicky. So we've taken out the static text, which was sort of de facto what you'd have back in the late 90s. You just have a lot of text on the front page. And we made it so that all the new features are going to have little slideshows you can click on and move on through. And this really is going to make it a lot more of a destination. Because at least my experience as a user of the site before I became involved as a podcaster and I guess now an editor was that 
if you wanted to find something, you had to know where to look for it. So, for instance, Tommy Garvey does these amazing articles on the hobby history. And you'd have to go into features and go into hobby history archive and then open up the thing you wanted to read. Well, now, whenever Tommy does something, it'll just pop up right there on the front page and it'll cycle through and you'll see all these different items. But what's cool was Lobart was put in charge of designing it. And as you may know, Lobart is... He's not an idiot, but he's a savant. Um, he, he's really good at designing stuff. And I think he really managed to hold on to the spirit of the archive while kind of evolving it and, and showing this other side, which is this clickiness. And finally, uh, there's also the idea of coming up with a blog. So this is sort of, it goes together with the new front page. So what this means is the way the 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 archive has always existed that Gus created it and then there were editors and those editors could go in and make pages and that works well except that the internet has evolved and content is now made a little bit more quickly it's a little bit more mobile it's a little bit less static so the idea is editors are still going to edit special features and still write things but now there will be an additional group of people who can blog as well as anybody can submit an article and that will be on this blog site, which again will appear on the front page in that little window that Lobart made, but then also just be a destination for just anything. I mean, I want to write an article about, I don't know, uh, uh, this weird Korean comic book I found. So I'll just do that. Right? Because why not? It'll be interesting. It'll be well-written. It'll be fun. And then if, uh, I don't know, I've been thinking of this article for a while about Chewbacca's age and how he's 200 and 100, depending on what you read in the early days of uh, Kenner merchandise, I mean, of Star Wars merchandising. Well, I would read that article and I could write that article, but where do I put it? So this will be like the centralized hub for the hobby for Star Wars collecting. Because after all, the Archive is the oldest Star Wars collecting pod, uh, uh, website. And you are listening to the oldest vintage Star Wars collectors podcast. Uh, so that's the whole idea. And we'll learn more about that as it goes on. I'm frantically trying to get this podcast out in time so we can listen to it. So I should probably stop talking soon. Um, but that's not the only news that we have. Also, there is officially the Archive Party. That's right, it's happening. Steve did all the work, uh, so he should be here to talk about it. But again, my computer broke, Skype stinks, and I... I'm sitting in the basement now by myself and I see the drum machine, but I got to stay away from it. I can't break down some old school beats. The archive party is happening and it is officially accepted as happening by Lucasfilm Limited itself. Steve had to get permission from them, which of course Gus helped with. So it's going to be at the hotel where everything is happening in Anaheim and it's going to be on that Thursday, the first night. So even if you just drive, even if you just fly to Anaheim just to go to the party, it's going to be worth it. We got a new charity, the No Kill LA Shelter, where Steve got Digby. We've got lots of ideas, giveaways, all that stuff. It's going to be 
again, the greatest thing that happens at Celebration will always be the Archive Party. And it'll be part of the Celebration, the year of the Archive, right? So it'll be the second party for these 20 great years of this amazing website. So it's really cool, and it's really exciting. You see, this, this is why I need Steve. It's really cool, and it's really exciting. This is, those are totally stupid, empty sentences. All right. Well, uh, so that's actually it for the news. Um, and what I'm going to do now is do the second part of this double bonus episode. And that is a description of... So let me tell you what's happened. So this has been this weird thing where Steve and I saw each other twice in the last month. And I haven't released a podcast in two months. So I'm starting to think that the only reason we actually do the show is just so that we can talk to each other. Um, but we saw each other twice. So one time we saw each other in California. And that's kind of a funny story. And I'll save that for when Steve and I can talk about it next month. Although I get the sense that like the Steve Denny article, we may never get to it. When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Uh, but we're not going to say that. We're going to talk about the first time we hung out. So this is at the Star Wars Collectors event that was in North and South Carolina. So what this was, was the, there's a lot of collectors who live down there. And they just invited anybody who they knew and felt comfortable living, you know, coming and visiting their house. And they had to limit the number. I forget to how many. And there are people they wanted to invite and couldn't. It was kind of one of these whole things where some people... Who really, you know, would have been nice to see them. They couldn't make it, all that kind of thing. But Steve and I were invited as being uh, powerful and influential podcasters in the vintage community. And we just had a blast. We saw some great collections. And what we did was there was about five stops. And at the third stop, I realized how I could integrate the podcast into this whole event. So what I just started doing was just recording stories. And I started talking to people in certain places. So the first story you're going to hear is from Chris Nichols, the uh, editor of the Archive, the man behind most of the technological uh, feats on the Archive. And he's a great Java collector. You may remember we spoke to him in the past. So he's going to tell us a story. I want to, I want to paint a picture for you. We are in Chris Jorgulius's kitchen. It's about 9 a.m. in the morning. We are eating poppy seed bagels, which is driving Chris crazy because he doesn't like messes. And there's all these poppy seeds on the floor. <laughs> it's kind of kind of amusing because uh, I specifically said we probably shouldn't get poppy seed bagels. It's going to drive Chris crazy. And I was right. So we're there. And uh, all of a sudden, Chris Nichols starts telling us this story. So take a bite of the poppy seed bagel, clean up the crumbs, and have a listen. Okay, trying to have a nice breakfast here, but I'm going to bug Chris Nichols because I hear there's a Vinyl Cape Jawa story. So he's going to tell the story and pretend that there's not a giant screen in front of his face. Recording every word he says. Well, uh... Back in the late 90s, uh, I stumbled across an eBay auction for a Vinyl Cape Jawa, um, and the defining characteristic of the auction was that it lacked a picture. Um, 
it was a carded vinyl cape Jawa, and uh, nobody was willing to bid on the thing. Uh, obviously, I think the bid was around 700 bucks. Uh, but uh, something about the auction just rang a little bit true to me. That I think the, the guy just really was a, a poor eBayer and, and didn't know what he was doing. And I, I took a, a chance and. Uh, and uh, placed a bid, uh, and and was and mostly just wanted to establish contact with the guy, and and did, and ended up striking a deal with him. And uh, it turns out that his brother had worked at one of the theaters that was sent a single case assortment of vinyl cape Jawas to distribute. Uh, at the time of the release of Star Wars. And so they had 96 vinyl cape Jawas oh, to distribute. <laughs> and rather than do what they were instructed, him and his brother took these home, and, or took a portion of them home, and they had held on to them for many, many, many years. And they had sold off some at some point along the way to uh, a dealer up in the Northeast, but this guy had many of them still, and he was willing to sell. He sold me the one. Uh, I took a gamble, and it arrived. Extremely poorly packaged. <laughs> like, like how poorly packaged? Uh, there was, he had basically just cut out styrofoam just for the thickness of the bubble, and uh, and that was it. And so, and this this marked this is a multiple. We did probably four or five deals, and every every time we did a deal, packaging and the quality of the packaging and became increasingly important at, to which. Eventually, I was sending them star cases and saying, please put them in these. Uh, and then for the final deal, I, I just got on a plane and I went to pick them up in person. Uh, where was it? Arkansas. Um, and so, uh, but I, I started off buying the one. I bought two uh, a couple years later. And every time I would buy one, it was the last one. He would tell me, "Oh, this is the last one I have. You know, I, I don't have any more. You know, and the price would always go up a little bit, and, and I always, you know, and uh, but um, it, you know, and I learned a little bit more, you know, as the story went along. But he, he was notoriously a, a, a poor." packager um and i i have a, a neat photo of me with about six of them <laughs> which is fun but uh uh yeah for the last the last trip i uh hopped on a plane uh met him in arkansas at a hotel and then uh to, hopped on another plane straight to philadelphia and uh and visited james in uh philadelphia and he sent them on down to AFA. We got them graded. That was the last batch I got. And I just heard from him a couple weeks ago, and he insists. And as I pulled away on that trip, he was he was buying a new car for his wife. <laughs> he said, uh, he said, well, these really are the last of them, but I'll let you know the next time I need a car.
<laughs> but I heard from him last week, and he, he does insist that he has no more. That was one of those Jawas that got stolen at the toy show, too, right? Yeah. That was a horror story. So, so there was a, 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 a Jawa stolen at the toy show, Ron? Yeah, not to dredge up terrible memories, but Chris, one of those is being sold by a dealer friend of ours at a toy show, and I was there with him, and it just disappeared during the show, so someone Pens lifted it. Or yeah. Toy show. Yeah, so someone, you know, I mean, thinking about it, all it would take is you looking away for a second to someone to just go and pull something off, and I'll, I'll just know at the end of the show... Me and the other guy looked at each other. We're like, "Where's the Jawa?" <laughs> We're just not there anymore. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that was, geez, late '90s, early 2000s. But yeah, just think how awful that would feel to, to lose because we, he was selling it for for Chris, you know, and then it just disappeared. So. And and then the, the final bit is so then the, so the the theaters would be sent, and it was just a Jawa back in the day. Like when was this that the theaters were sent the figures? Was it, must have well, been for the re-release. Do we know the actual story of exactly how the figures were sent? They were trying to catch up uh, because the Jawa was one of the last three released. They were trying to catch up and get more Jawas out on the shelves, and so they were doing single-figure assortments. And so they were shipping mm-hmm. cases of '96 um, of vinyl capes. Right, Chris? Is that? Yeah, Josh Valinsky. Found another case from another person. Like toy shop okay, so then Chris Jorgulius is now saying that there was an entire case found. When Mr. Mint and Josh Walensky were working together. Oh, Mr. Mint. Yeah, we got to tell a whole story about Mr. Mint sometime. Because, okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much for the story, and we'll now get back to having a nicer breakfast than watching us record. So, that was Chris Nichols' Vinyl Cape Jawa story. So that kind of got me thinking, all right, well, that's good. That didn't work. Because the problem with, with bringing a recorder to these kinds of events is you just sort of feel like you're, I don't know, taking over or it, it impedes your ability to really enjoy yourself. So then I thought, well, what if I just recorded people whose coll- – when we're in someone's collection, what if we just recorded them saying one thing about one of their items? So it doesn't have to be their favorite item, but just – Tell a story about something here. So I came up with that idea on the third stop, like I said, but then I went back and interviewed other people. So we're going to pretend to be on this tour, like you're with Steve and me, or like Ron and I, who were, you know, driving in the car together, as you heard on the last episode. And by the way, it turns out that my brother listened to the show, so he heard me when I drove right by his exit. I still feel bad about that, but we were on a a tight, (laughs) tight schedule. So uh, let's listen to, let's talk a little bit about seeing Chris Joglius's place. It was very special because he doesn't let anyone take pictures of anything. And he has a world-class collection as good as anything I've seen in my years of traveling around and looking at people's Star Wars collections. But I had the most rarest thing in the entire house. I had an officially sanctioned picture of his collection. Because I told him what I was doing, and he agreed to tell the story of his childhood mailer. When he sent away for figures to take Kenner toys, and he'd cut out the, the proofs of purchases... He would save those, and he has those amongst his many one-of-a-kind, prototypical, you know, super special things. So I thought, let's ask him about that. Let's talk 
to Chris Jorgulius. Pick one thing to talk about. Uh, what, what is it going to be, Chris? You ever hear Sky? I'm going to show you my, my collection of uh, uh, mail-in Kenner mailers starting from back in the day when I got them originally myself. Yeah, that's what, what, of all the things you have and a lot of amazing things, I was just looking around and I actually saw mailers addressed to you. Now, how many of your original mailers do you still have? I think I have uh, three of them. I have my original Boba Fett, um, a little worse for wear. I've got my um, survival kit, and it's pretty nice, and the 4LOM. Wow, and, and so you, do you remember getting them and everything? And I, I do remember. My Probably my most distinct recollection is actually my mail-in stand, which I have in the other case, but I don't have the box for it. But I remember every day checking the mailbox, and then one day we get out of the car coming home, home from school, and I see the mailer mailer sitting on top of the mailbox and I ran over there I remember saving two dollars and sending my proofs of purchase and <laughs> waiting for that thing to come and do you kind of suspect that everything you've ever done since then is trying to recreate that feeling of coming home to a mailbox with something sitting on top of it that's Star Wars that you want I do come home to a uh, mailbox filled with Star Wars stuff pretty often you know sometimes on the front porch also and uh, it's been quite fun, you know, and expanding on the mailers and, and buying them from other people. And we even got some here from a couple of Cincinnati guys addressed, a couple of ex-Kenner employees with their personal addresses on them. So that was a fun thing to add also. Wow, that's awesome. All right, Chris, well, cool. Everything's kind of winding down here, but I just wanted to get a little bit from you. So thanks, and we'll uh, talk soon. Thanks, Guy. That's what you missed. That's just a taste. That's just half of my warpath based on how goofy I got last night. So that was Chris Jorgulius. And uh, so after that, we had a little tour of the Raleigh area. And uh, I woke up late. I didn't wake up late. I woke up on time, but then no one was in a hurry. And apparently I missed a chance to see Bob Steffi's collection. And uh, Steve and I were trying to debate as to what Bob Steffi's nickname should be. I proposed the Prince of Peace, and Steve proposed... Uh, what did he propose? Oh, Humanitarian of All Humanitarians. Um, I think both of those are pretty good. And I think both indicate our generally positive feelings uh, about one Bob Steffi. But what happened was I missed seeing his house, and so I went straight to Bruce White, the Velvet Geek Artists, and... Uh, but I wanted to see both. And it was kind of a Sophie's Choice kind of thing because I knew if I went to see Bob's, I wouldn't really get to see Bruce's or I'd get to see it but kind of quickly and that's what wound up happening. Um, but the Prince of Peace, the humanitarian of all humanitarians, How High's the Water, Bob Steffi, uh, took me back to his place just to see it. Um, so that way I at least got to see both. But I really need to go back to see Bruce's collection because I call it the collection of collections. Because everywhere you go, there's a different kind of collection. Like, oh, eight tracks. Oh, Farrah Fawcett. Oh, Princess Leia. Oh, aliens. Uh, so it's it's a really cool place, and I just wish I could go back there. But I did get to go to Bob Steffi's place, and uh, that was really cool because I didn't really understand. He collects this thing called Eagle Force, which is some kind of military thing, and he's like the Gus Lopez of Eagle Force. He has every conceivable kind of Eagle Force variation, American, Canadian, French, just 
awesome, really cool stuff. And uh, so that was cool because I mainly wound up talking about that with him. But then also other stuff in his collection too, such as this following thing that I'm going to talk about from his collection right now. Uh, Gonkenstein, Duncan, I think, was calling it the Gonkenheim. Gonkenheim. Is that, that's what your collection's called? I, I like that name, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick with that one. That's excellent. Okay, so then I didn't get a chance to go to the Gonkenheim because I was just hanging around helping Chris Jorgulius clean up his house after the party the night before, and I didn't really realize, and I do this thing, Bob, where if I know where I'm going to be, I don't pay any attention to what I'm doing. So I haven't even looked at the itinerary for this entire event. I just showed up and... That was the one mistake I made because I didn't get to see as much of your collection and as much of Bruce's collection. But we're going to pretend that we are in the Gonkenheim. And that is a good name. I like it. That's, that's really good. Uh, and we're going to pretend that we are looking at one item that you would like to discuss from Peace from Your Collection, which is our new feature. So uh, what are we uh, pretending to look at here? We are pretending to look at um, a three and three-quarter Kenner Snowspeeder uh, photo sample. So it, it was a so first shot, basically, but it was also used for kind of photography. So it's used for kind of photography. Do you know which photographs it was used in? It's not. I don't think it's from looking at the stickers and trying to match it up to the boxes. I don't think it's from any of the boxes, but I think it is from one of the inserts, the package inserts. Okay, and so this is just one of your favorite pieces because you're also the snowspeeder guy in addition to the gonk. Right. I is, like, yeah, I like the snowspeeder quite a bit. Um, and this one in particular I like in part because of the, the whole photo uh, sampleness of it. And it, you, it has no dates like any other first shot, and it has uh, handmade stickers, which are kind of cool, with the, the texture from the silk screening, when they, the way they would make them for that kind of thing. So they weren't like made by machines, they were actually hand done? Hand done, so you wind up, they have some texture. Each color kind of has a, its own layer. Oh, that's awesome. As right. I understand it. All right, well, cool, because I don't think we're going to get to vehicles anytime soon. So that's excellent. Well, thank you, Bob, for pretending to be in the Gonkin Slane with me while we're in, uh, I don't even know, uh, in the toy chamber, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually looking at a picture of C-3PO with Mickey Mouse at the moment. I'm not looking at the photo <laughs> sample, but it is a very sweet piece. I remember seeing it. So awesome. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, guy. Bonus Bob content. So, so as, as we were leaving... Uh, this corner of the toy chamber. I happened to look to the left and see a puzzle that I had never... Oh, I have a message. Um, I happened to see a puzzle that I had never seen before until I was at the Gonkenheim and I saw it in Bob's collection. Now, what are these things? Because Todd has them too and I'd never seen them before, so I want to share them with our listeners. It's uh, two puzzles uh, made by the company Waddington's, which is, uh, I think, also made games. But they, um, they're only in the UK. It's a UK company, so they're relatively hard to find. And what's cool about them is, unlike some of the other Star Wars puzzles, which have movie scenes, these actually have dioramas showing the toys. And not only the toys, but they're the Palatoy versions of the toys. Now, how, how, how can we tell this is a Palatoy, like, land speeder? The, it, like the, the Palatoy land speeder, I'm pointing at it as if people can see it. It's but okay. The, but there's, <laughs> a, there's no button to open the hood, and the hood is not there to open. And in the X-Wing, there's no light. And it's hard to tell, but the, the R2 is a little different. Too. Yeah, so these things are awesome. First of all, you have like a styrofoam uh, version of the Lars Homestead, which Leia is coming out of. Right. You have, this is obviously first 12 era. Right. Oh, no, wait. Nope, first 20 era, because there are R5-D4 in the back. So there's like a, a sand trooper who's, uh, who's waiting basically to hit Leia on the back of the head as she comes out of the, the homestead. You have Luke and... 
Obi-Wan and the land speeder being interviewed by a stormtrooper. <laughs> and actually, there's a really cool button upstairs that I saw, a Japanese button. I think it's a button that has, like, uh, Luke and Obi-Wan just swamped by, like, 20 uh, stormtroopers. I think this scene was really important when the movie came out. I think people loved this scene, just the whole idea you could, like, fool authority. And there's tons of stormtroopers, and Han and, and Chewie are in the back, and there's Jawas. And the, and the Death Star and a lot of TIE fighters, so... Yeah, yeah, the Death Star is right above, right above uh, Tatooine, and there's Jawas carrying off an R5-D4 in nice uh, cloth capes. And, yeah, and Darth Vader's there. So, I mean, their goose is really cooked. And, and then, the other scene's got, uh, you know, kind of all the heroes about in the lane speeder again, about to be ambushed by both Tusken Raiders and Darth Vader and a bunch of stormtroopers. And a stormtrooper on a dewback. Right. Riding a dewback in a way that you can't ride. Because I don't think that's an actual toy. Yeah, I don't think that's a toy. Yeah, yeah that's not it. And, and again, another TIE fighter. Right, <laughs> yeah, a, a TIE fighter. Yeah, just this is the weird little jundlin wastes. And there's a nice little starburst, too, behind Luke. Yeah. So, so this was something that I saw in the Gonkenheim for the first time. And everyone looked at me and saying, Sky, don't you host a podcast? You should know about these things. Well, that's what makes me an everyman, is that I'm an idiot. So uh, anyways, thanks again, Bob. Thank you. So then we went to Bruce's, and again, I didn't manage to get any audio on there, but uh, we'll have to have him on again soon, because he's always a, a fan favorite. And then we went to C.J. Fawcett's, one of the many collectors whose name is Chris, and... Uh, well, let's hear his favorite story. And we actually, he made a reference to this in the Han Hoth episode, um, briefly. And we, I don't even think we really said about what it was, but here we're going to learn all about a piece from his collection. And it's pretty darn cool. Let's have a listen. All right. I am here near Lake Wiley with CJ Fawcett. He's been on the show maybe about six just months, since six months ago, but just once. And uh, we just went on a boat, which was exciting. I'm not too boaty, so that was very cool. And I, it was on the boat. I had the idea of creating the, a piece from my collection segment, which I'll have to now make a sound well, you, drop you for. You just came up with that. Yeah, I, awesome. just, I just came up with this idea. I, I visited. The boat inspired you. It, it did, you know. The scenery <laughs> and the wind in your hair. <laughs> exactly. And I just, I mean, well, I've already visited three collections, and I have to think, oh, boy, I better come back to that. But there's lots of beautiful stuff here. There's cool props and coins and original art and all that stuff and hard copies and unproduced dolls and all this cool stuff but i just said cj what do you want to talk about you pick anything as long as it's you know star wars and we are looking at if you're looking at the enhanced set i'll tell you uh, you'll see it but i'll just tell you what it is that i'm looking at here i'm looking at what appears to be a van like an old 70s style van I am seeing artwork of vans, and I'm seeing an old, about three by five picture of kids looking at a box with a van. Here, CJ will fill in the story. So these are, um, you know, back in the 70s, the whole custom van craze was kind of a thing. And so Kenner produced these, I think they're called SSP uh, vans. They had like the rip cord, and you'd pull the rip cord, they'd go shooting across the floor. So those are all made. Um, and... Uh, this piece is a uh, piece of art. It shows the, the Darth Vader van, which is pretty close to the production. And then the second one is the white van, which in the artwork is the Millennium Falcon. 
which wasn't made. They made one, I think it's kind of called the Heroes van. It has all the heroes on the side of it, was the white van. So these are the, the pieces like uh, pencil and, and marker concept art that one of the Kenner designers did when they were conceptualizing what the vans might look like. He drew these pieces. The interesting thing about this piece is a couple points of interest. Um, first of all, it's one of the very few toys I had as a kid that I have a photograph of me as a child. It's, it looks like it's Christmas because my brother's there opening something else beside me. <laughs> It's also you can see there's a there's a like a 21 back power droid a Star Wars card back power droid sitting there on the table as well, and it's one of the few items that I have from my childhood that I've kept. So I've got in addition to the art, I've got this photograph um, in the frame there, and also the van mounted right below it. But the story's even neater than that because this piece came from a Kenner designer who is my wife's uncle who worked at Kenner in the late seventies. And uh, on the last podcast I was on, I told the story about finding one of his artworks in Cincinnati, which is like the most amazing collecting story I've ever experienced. Uh, but this piece actually was one that he had kept and he had it in his portfolio for a long time. And, um, you know, when I, when I married my wife, I had no idea her uncle had worked at Kenner. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, you I, just I, married her because he worked at Kenner. No, no. It, it does feel that way. Like, marrying into Kenner is really smart. You know, I mean, that's better but than actually, royalty. When we met and when, and when uh, we were dating and even oh, maybe the – I didn't really start collecting until after we were married. It was like right – we got married in like August and I started collecting in like December. Just a mutual friend of ours got me into it because he was collecting – um, so yeah, I had no clue. And like after that, she's like, Oh yeah, my uncle worked at Kenner and she, she tells the stories about all the things they blew up with firecrackers. <laughs> <laughs> it's 4th of July here right now. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of ties in. That's awesome. We shot off last night, a, uh, a big firework with a Jar Jar figure strapped to it. So <laughs> that was kind of fun. But, um, yeah. And she, she remembers the story. She had one of the, uh, Japanese disc firing R2D2s, which obviously wouldn't have been easy to find in the states no but she talks about blowing that thing up and i know she had it because she described it to me and she had no idea what she was you know that that thing was out there or what it was so she's just yeah it was an r2 and it's this big and it fired discs i'm like i know exactly what that was and <laughs> so it's kind of cool that she had that but um so yeah i you know her uncle had quite a bit of original industrial design artwork and um this was the one piece i really thought was awesome to keep because of the whole story and the other things I have to go with it. So it's one of my favorite pieces. Awesome. Thanks, CJ. That's, that's just about as good as a story can get. I, I was looking at that picture, you know, cause I was here yesterday and everything. And I'm like, I, I for some reason, I'm not going to ask him yet if that's him. I have to imagine it is, but you're also rocking a great seventies sweater. Yeah. That sweater is awesome. <laughs> the, the red, brown and yellow stripes. Uh, your brother appears to be wearing the same pattern as the comforter that he's standing in front of. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> You're right. He's really camouflaged. Uh, but it's so cool to have like you know one of a kind art in front of an item with the picture. So awesome. I think uh, I think you picked well. And also, you know, I was wearing goggles on the boat, and it was you in were, honor. You were rocking those goggles. It was kind of an honor of you and your Han Hoth focus. And so I, I thought if I, if I wore them, you know, I'd be a little bit closer to Han Hoth. I looked like I was just being a goof. But uh, anyways, awesome. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your, the piece of your collection. I forgot that I was supposed to record a, like an intro 
or a bit of audio for the piece from your collection. But you know, I'm not going to do that. You know why I'm not going to do that? Because I need to record this thing so we can release it in time for the 20th anniversary of the archive. So, that now brings us to this cool long road trip where we actually stopped and talked to Jeffrey Carell, uh, another collection who I didn't get anything from his collection. He he has a newborn and so uh, it wasn't like, hey, let's just hang out, have a, have a couple dude skis and chill out. It was like, let's see his collection and, and, uh, and move. Yes, I did refer to beers as dude skis. <laughs> I, I am known to do that. Because I'm such a laid-back and mellow guy, you know? I mean, Steve just makes me seem like I'm this uptight guy. But really, I can hang with the home boys. So after that, we almost ran out of gas. Now, this is kind of hearkening back to our second story. The story that Mark Huber uh, is on where we drove up to the Bay Area in the California Collectors Club. And this is just nothing to do with Star Wars, but it's just a story about the time when Matthias, Sky, and Ron almost ran out of gas in extremely rural North Carolina. This is Sky Payne's imitation of Christian Gullius. If you think that Sky, Ron, and Matthias' story about running out of gas is too long, skip forward to... 5035. I'll see you on the other side. All right, so we're not, uh, this isn't really collector related. Uh, last time you heard from the Kivecast, I was driving down to North Carolina with Ron Salvatore. I am now uh, in the car with Ron Salvatore and also with Matthias. Uh-huh. Let's have Matthias do it this time. We're here with Matthias. Hey, man. No, no, you're, you're supposed to say your, your catchphrase with Matthias. Thank you. That's going to save me the time to edit it. And uh, I think on our second episode, or third episode, we talked about going on a trip up to California, and there was like all these cows and stuff. But uh, we had we had kind of a fun adventure. We're currently drinking uh, milkshakes. Matthias and I are. Um, Matthias is very amazed that it says "Thank you, God, for America" on the milkshake container. Apparently they don't do that kind of thing in Sweden. What else do they not do in Sweden? A lot of things. We, <laughs> what are you thinking about? The, 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 the bank. The bank. First time I ever saw a drive-in ATM. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. We, we've got it good here. But uh, we, we've been driving a lot. And on July 4th, we kind of had this sort of funny experience where uh, we were... We were driving and we needed gas. And we were driving actually uh, out to visit a uh, another friend of the show, Jeff Carell. He's been on the show maybe once or twice, but he's one of the main designers of the Star Tots. I mean, wouldn't you say there's like good Star Tots and bad Star Tots, right, Ron? Yeah, and I'd say pretty much uh, all the good ones are done by Jeff. I I, I would agree. Uh, who, who's the guy who does the other ones? Matthias, who's the guy who does those other ones? I don't know. That's some crazy Swede. No, of course, we, we all know that uh, Matthias does the other ones. So anyways, we're, we're hanging out. He got he showed us the new Star Tot designs. That was cool. But before we could get there, uh, he lives in what we call the country. And it's July 4th, and, he's, and Ron's running low on gas, and I'm playing Mr. Cool. I'm like, no sweat. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Ten miles. We'll be fine. Eight miles left. We'll be fine. Two miles left. 
And then we see a gas station. We drive right past it because we miss it on the exit. Because what do they not have on highways, Ron? Uh, you know those signs that you see on highways in civilized parts of the world <laughs> where it says next stop gas or next exit gas and shows you you know the Exxon sign or whatever. They don't they don't seem to have those as much here. Right. So uh, then we well, they do. Maybe it was just that road, you know, because there's <laughs> yeah. one right here on this road, but this particular road did not seem to have those signs. Right, so it's like this road that's like, you know, some highway through rural North Carolina. Very beautiful country, by the way. Um, and so I just go, all right, we'll stop at the next one no matter what. And we pull up to this marathon gas station. It was the next exit, yeah. Yeah, it was the next exit. And somehow it looked open. It had a sign that said open. It had a neon sign that was lit and it said... It looked like it could have been open, but also like open within the universe that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre takes place in. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. So open, but frightening. <laughs> now, mind you, this whole time, I, I've been giving Matias long treatises about the nature of the American South and carpetbaggers and the fact that Ron and I, in many ways, are just as alien here as he is. And uh, going into the whole, like, history of America and the way that it was... Oh, jeez. And, and the, the way it was founded, all these kinds of things. And eventually we start talking about horror movies, about how the themes of a lot of horror movies are, if you live in the city, don't go to the country, because you'll get, you know, raped, killed by toothless maniacs. So we pulled to this gas station... that Jeff has all his teeth, as well as being a great designer, so... You keep, yeah. you keep insulting, like, where Jeff lives, do you realize that? <laughs> hey, you're the one who called it uncivilized. I said it's a beautiful place. Well, and then I took it back and said it was just that particular road. <laughs> all right. Well, I say, I'll edit out all the parts where I sound like a jerk. You know, leave all the parts in where you sound like a jerk. Um, anyways, so just talking about the that thing. And so we pull up to this gas station. This guy's like, yeah, it's open, bro. It's open. It's got to be open. It's no, gotten, it's not open. It doesn't look like it's open. The the doors were chained, even though even though the 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 counters were on on the on the mach, on the gas thing, you couldn't get it to go. And so at this point, we're on zero. So we have to double back. Because we, we yeah to the gas station we missed the first time. Yeah. Right. So we go back to the gas station that we had missed again. This was my brilliant idea. Uh, it's also a Marathon gas station, by the way. Right. So uh, the people who own Marathon, screw you. Yeah, we have a lot of international Saudi Arabian, uh, like, you know, listeners. So, you know, just up it on Marathon gas, if you would please. Um, and then, so we, we pull back and we pull into this gas station. And, I mean, what, what, was it open, Matias? Yes, it was. So relieved. They have gas Finally. Gas at a gas station? I think that's too much to ask for. <laughs> no. Yeah, we, we just... So there... I go in to, like, go buy some candy or whatever. I kind of checked out emotionally. I don't know where I was. I was just goofing around. <laughs> we I was shopping for candy. That was the yeah, weirdest part. Yeah, I, I was shopping for candy. They were trying to... Because I was like, Jeff lives six miles away. I'll just come with a bucket. No big deal. Which uh, goes to show... <laughs> How considerate I am, but uh, I and then we so yeah, like the the pump was on, and you could insert your credit card, but there was no gas. It was like the craziest thing. And then we go in there, 
and there's two guys working there. The funniest part is the guy who like, said it so matter of factly. I'm like, hey, your gas isn't working. He's a gas. I'm like, yeah, your gas isn't working. It's a gas station. And the guy's like, oh, we don't. The get the pumps don't work. You can't pump gas. I'm like, are you? you, you why are you saying this as though I should be? I should not be surprised that you don't have gas. But welcome to Chase Bank. Oh, money. No, we don't have any money. Do you want we like the pu- burgers at McDonald's? <laughs> you want deposit slips? Because we got we got pe- we can't take the pen, but we have pens. <laughs> and so that they're, they're talking to this guy, and so there's this weird mixture of like this young Indian guy and this like 90 year old black dude who is just like I mean he had the thickest accent you've ever heard. And it was just like this strange mixture because they, they, it seemed like they didn't really know each other. And like, the, so the guy, the Indian guy was behind the counter. He and the comes black every day to clean up, and like the Indian guy and the other guy, they don't talk to each other. He just watches them clean up, and like they never say a word. And, and I think the black guy was a janitor, but he was like mopping the front door. He was like, he was like, he was like mopping. It didn't make sense where he was mopping or why. <laughs> I don't think there was water in his. In his water bucket Was the floor wet? What he probably is Is like He probably Whatever company That janitor guy worked for They probably Contract And he probably Goes around To different establishments In the area And cleans Like twice a week Or whatever That's probably what it was Yeah that, that must be it So we get so frustrated Well I don't, I don't get frustrated I went around And I went Bought some lemon heads Some grape heads And some yeah, apple heads sitting there Buying junk food Matias and I Are sweating bullets <laughs> over here Like we're not gonna Get out of here alive well, see, at this point, I recognized it was going to be okay because, uh, you know, I I thought I need to take pictures of all this. I need to be totally unhelpful, and I was. This is like the part in the Bergman film where the, the, the female, the wife gets mad at the husband for using their marital problems as material for his plays or his books. Using it as, like, podcast material. Meanwhile, our lives are hanging in the balance. Well, and also, too, everyone, when you watch those horror movies, it's only, like, white guys who kill you. So I figured we were safe. You know what I mean? Like, all the lunatics in horror movies are crazy white dudes. So I figured we were totally safe there. Now, this is, apparently I've taken a turn for the racially charged on the Kivecast lately. I don't, I don't know what that's about. But, uh, anyway, so then, so then first we're asking... Zero on the gas. Yeah, yeah, zero. we had zero on the gas. So absolutely nowhere to go. <laughs> So they're asking the guy, the the Indian guy, about, uh, yeah, I mean, like, from the, the continent of India. Can you please direct me to the next gas station that actually has gas? Like, you know, it's, just, it's like going to McDonald's and being like, can you tell me where I can get a burger that's not here? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's another burger joint down there. And And as far as I can tell, this guy was born raised and lives inside of that gas station because he had no concept of any geography at all he kept on referring to the highway as the main street and so it was unclear if he meant main street like a main street in a town we didn't see any towns around here and so Ron kept on completely ignorant of the whole concept of a highway and the, the whole point of the gas station is that it's right on 85 and it's like yeah, so the highway oh uh, main street you mean the highway like 85 you know it's on main street like, what? what are you talking about where's main street 
And he kept talking to us like we knew the area. He'd be like, oh, just Main Street in Thompsonville. It's like, I don't know if you can tell, um, Ron and I are like like caricatures of Northerners, and we've got this Swedish guy over here in his ABBA sneakers and his you know fashionable European updo. And it's like, could it be any clearer that we do not know? We'd be like, so go left on the Main Street the highway? No, no. The first big street that you come across, which is the highway. Not the highway, the main street. The big highway street. <laughs> and he's like pointing both directions. The other thing was, I think he was giving... We were unclear whether he was giving us directions back to the gas station we were just at, which was closed. So we're like, you mean that one that's closed? Like, no, we don't want to go to that one. It's closed. And so then the janitor jumps in. And again, a very thick accent, which we just can't determine almost anything. And he's just as cryptic. Now, he appears to have grown up in this area, but I don't know if he has ever given anyone directions in his life. So he's talking about going down a ramp, and he kept, every time he'd go, he would say, I was, there's about one mile. And then the other guy would be like, it's more, it's five miles. Thompsonville, Thompsonville. <laughs> the main street is right there in Thompsonville. So every time this guy would say something, the other guy would correct him and say it. It was more time as in the other direction. So finally, we just we got on the highway and decided. But then the, the janitor too was nice enough to. Uh, he's like, listen, if you guys get stuck, here's my phone number. You just give me a call and we'll come get you. And it was like uh, pretty nice of him. At the same time, I wondered, okay, this is like in the horror movie where like you call like the guy who seemed like he'd be helpful and then he shows up with like a chainsaw and like three other friends. But, but he, he, he keep repeating his number because he really wanted to help. And I, oh, this is yeah. good. I was so relieved. Okay, here's a nice guy. I didn't care about getting killed or not. And then we, we exit the, the gas station. I, I first question to Ron was, did you get the number? And Ron was, no. And just kept going to the car. <laughs> but I actually recorded it as a voice memo on this very phone. You should call him. Yeah, but we're thinking about this. You should call him. You should just say, I want to say thank you, like in that context. But then, yeah, yeah, that. That'll be a funny, um, a funny spot for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, and so we actually tried to follow his directions. Like, just go left on the ramp to get on the highway, which is the Thompsonville. And so we just decided to risk it and just drive down the highway. And we did wind up finding an Exxon. And uh, so that's our lesson. Never use marathon gas. Um, don't be afraid of being murdered in rural south. Uh, and, uh, oh yeah, and then... We were, we're worth it because Jeff's collection was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it was a nice... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was totally worth it. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and the nice thing, too, is that the joke from last month about the guy, Scaly, who sells prototypes, <laughs> who sold prototypes and kept on telling everybody that, you know, they, they don't understand, they, they don't care, he didn't care about Star Wars, is now applicable to everything. So that's how Ron does the guy at the gas station. So here's Ron as Scaly working at the gas station. Uh, hey, uh, how do we get gas? Uh, I don't think you just don't get it. I don't do gas. Gas means nothing to me. We sell uh, lemon heads and beers and give bad directions. Gas? I just don't care about gas. You guys can offer me $5 for my gas? We just put it in there. It's in the pump. The pumps don't work, all right? It just goes back into the pumps. Uh, thank you.
I've been having him do that impression all weekend. I just can't. I just don't care. I just don't care. You don't get it. You know, the dinosaurs died, turned into precious fossil fuels, shipped over here. I don't care. You can bring a whole refinery. Gas? I don't care about gas. I sell beer and lemon heads. All right, so that's the story for the road. Doesn't have much to do with Star Wars, but, you know, uh, kivecast at gmail.com if you like it or don't. Who cares? <laughs>
Should I describe it first, Duncan? What do you think? Well, why don't you say what it is, and then we'll describe it. Okay, so this is from the Clark's Shoes, and it's the uh, poster, promotion poster, that displayed for the uh, Space Pack uh, premium, and it was one of the very first Star Wars premiums and just super, super rare and very cool. Okay, so I'll describe it here, and then you can look at it on the enhanced version. So it's uh, Darth Vader's helmet in the background, kind of ghostly like it is, and it says, Darth Vader, beware. And what looks like, is that like graffiti, like spray paint, would you say? Right, kind of a spray-painted uh, graffiti look in there, kind of ahead of its time. Yeah, it was. It says, a free space pack, P-A-C, comes with every pair of Clark's Star Wars shoes. There are three kids who are having genuine fun, which you can tell by the smile. There's a girl on the far right. Now, she doesn't get a helmet. And there's two boys, and they both get helmets. I don't know if this is a sexist thing. But uh, the boys are wearing, like, paper white helmets with red and yellow racing stripes. Is that right? Have you ever seen one of these helmets? Yes, and so that, that was the, the story behind this. Um, well, if you want to keep finishing the, the, the description, and then I'll tell you the, the story. Okay, because with an item this crazy, it's hard to know where to start. And then they're playing some kind of game, which I should probably know what it is, or maybe not. I don't know. It has, like, the Millennium Falcon cockpit and some kind of tape recorder-looking card, and the girl who's smiling and not wearing a helmet is having a card, and she's smiling. Duncan, help us out. What is this? All right. So as a kid, I just absolutely loved the Clark shoes, the, the displays that I saw in the stores at the mall, uh, and always wanted a pair, but they were way too expensive, so I never did, uh, did get any. And so that's just one of the areas that I've really uh, concentrated on as I get things these days is trying to find all the different Clark shoes. The packaging is fantastic. And um, I had not known about this promotion, these premiums, until um, the mid-90s or so. And one of the uh, early completist collectors that had just fantastic collection was starting to sell off his collection and he had one of these loose and so I ended up with it I just thought it was the the most you know cheesy kind of thing it's a very it's a punch out paper uh, that you would make the mask so I'm sure this you know helmet would only last maybe one time at best um, but getting one was it was just fantastic for me and I had never never seen it before I did did manage to find a couple of them actually still sealed uh, since then but um, the, the little game that they play is this, uh, as you said, it's the Falcon cockpit. And there's one of those red, um, you know, kind of like the gel things that they put over uh, stage lights. Uh, right. And so it's a, a little decoder. And so the, the card, you can't read what the mission is. And then you would slide the, the card into this cockpit um, read out and it would tell you what your mission was and then you would go and so evidently the girl's gotten a really fun mission because she's just uh, <laughs> or maybe it's time for her to go to sleep she looks like she might be ready to fall asleep too or it might be her turn to get the helmet uh, the kid in the middle too is just staring with a very menacing straight look what's great is you could think that these are good guys or bad guys helmets I mean they look kind of like stormtrooper helmets because they're white but they say Star Wars. I don't know if you're supposed to know if they're good or bad. So then when you would get this, it would all of this would come together in one piece? Correct. So you would have the uh, cockpit scene, the, the readouts, and the cards, and the helmet. I don't remember. I think it just came with one helmet, um, but I, I, I think that's correct. But yeah, like a little X-Wing pilot helmet kind of thing. It's very cheesily done, very cheaply done. Yeah, and it's got numbers on there. P-R... No, R-9-0-7... 
53X is what it says on the side. It looks like there's a place to put the cards in the helmet. Oh, no, that's just the, the arrow sticking up. And so then you would buy a pair of shoes and you would get one of this. And, and did you know about this promotion when you were a kid? You didn't? I did not, no. Yeah. So it wasn't until the 90s when I actually found out about that. And they're very, very difficult to find these days. And I think if people saw them more often that they might think, you know, because it's such a... a you know, cheesy-looking thing, uh, chintzy, and uh, but it harkens back to those early Star Wars promotions when not everything was the same and the artwork was different on items, and that they, you know, licensees would have a little bit more freedom to come up with promotions and premiums to give out. Now, I wonder if we could make an archive party helmet like that. You know, like do a remake of the helmet and have us all wearing those. Nice. <laughs> and then everybody could wear their Clark shoes, too. Yeah, exactly. They could. Now, do you remember how much Clark shoes were back then if they were too expensive? Well, there's a whole bunch of them over here. Let's see if any of them have... Uh... Oh, it looks like $26. Yeah, I mean, that's unreal for me. Uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was a bunch back then. Go to Kmart or something and get uh, kids or something instead. But... Yeah, well, th yeah, well, that's perfect. I mean, this is unloved, uh, unknown, and I think once people see it, I mean, I remember looking at this earlier today when I was down here, it's just great, and it's nicely framed Yeah, uh, this is well. the first time I've seen the poster, so I was uh, very uh, impressed to see it and just love to look at it. And, but you'd known of the poster? I did not know of the poster, no, just the, pre just the premium. Oh my God, that must be so exciting for you. It was very exciting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I mean, someone who has seen most of everything to see something new. Yeah, that's really fun. Unloved and, and just awesome. So th thanks a lot, Duncan. My pleasure. Right. So you're sitting there thinking, but this is the Rebel Commander episode, right? Where's the Rebel Commander? Well, I can tell you that uh, there's a pretty good market watch about that if you check out the Star Wars Collector's Archive blog. And there's also a Skyku correction, not a Skyku, an Anku, as Ann Jenkins makes her triumphant return to the Guidecast with her amazing Anku. Okay, so we're going to get to have another Anne Koo. She wrote one for the Rebel Commander this month, and I think she's a little bit shy, but I think she wrote a really good one here. So are, are you ready, Anne? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Rebel Commander, lost in sea of white snow, saved by black mustache. Once again, another beautiful effort. And we will, I will scour my inbox to find the other Ankus that were written that I somehow didn't see. So thank you, Anne. <laughs> thank you, Anne, indeed. And with that, we lead up to our last trip to the collection. And this piece of audio is sort of... It's one of my favorite pieces of audio we've ever recorded for this show. So we're at Todd's collection... And it's just this amazing collection, and everywhere I go, I can't believe how great it is. And I ask him for a piece, and he pulls this out, which I think is just the complete collector story. And there was a whole group of people around us while we were recording this. And everyone was just wrapped in attention, just like this was the most interesting story ever. It's a mixture of childhood, it's a mixture of collecting and rarity and everything. Everything that we collect, everything that we do is encapsulated in this one story. It's like a thousand Super Bowls multiplied by an ice cream cone. But I don't want to oversell it. So let's just have a listen. 
Okay, so, so we're in the toy chamber, and there's too many things, I think, for Todd to really pick out. And so I kind of helped him by looking. There's a lot of things here, Todd, where you just look and you see, and I don't know what it is, and I try to hang around with Duncan and make sure that I shouldn't know what it is, and he didn't seem to think I should know what this is. So it's, it's a painting of an, a drawing. It's something of an X-wing, and it's blue, and it's orange, and, and what is it? Okay, so what this is, this is a, a presentation board that was part of the original Kenner line, Kenner designer line uh, presentation where they wanted to present these are what these are the figures we want to make, these are the accessories we, we want to make, and so it, it's a uh, illustration of the X-wing. It's actually got what's n what's not we can't see here anymore is that it's a little bit cut out at the at the end. It actually at one time had an LED light because they they had wow. this this idea early on that they were going to put a light at the at the end of it. And, and this piece came, there was a group of, of presentation boards that came up together, and the X-Wing was the only vehicle I had as a kid. And right. to say, not, to say, not to say that everything I collect has a, you know, <laughs> connection back to, 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 to childhood, but um, I definitely have always gravitated towards uh, things from, uh, for the X-Wing about a lot of different box variations. So when this came along, I mean, this was, a, of the things I had a, an opportunity to pick from, it was something I really definitely wanted because, like, I can remember... Saving up my money, going to Sears, you know, all I could find was some beat-up return right. you know, box. <laughs> but, you know, I played a ton with it. And actually, the other thing about the X-Wing is I can remember that the – the uh, I played with this thing. I tripped in the, running in the yard with playing with this toy as a kid. Okay. And the uh, – I care if it was the light or the motor ended up going out. Oh, and no. I actually took it apart. To fix it, and I was able to fix it, but I can remember thinking, you know, I would have been only like eight and thinking, you know, they didn't, having some just vague idea that like this, they don't just like, you know, it's not like today, like we didn't, I didn't have, you know, computer scanning technology back then, and you just, like I, I had some idea that someone had to make, you know, I looked at the, huh. the, 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 um, um, screw bosses and stuff inside, and the, you know, the ridge thing, you know, like someone actually had to, figure out how to, I mean, there was a toy, there was a thing in the movie, but then there's this toy, and the, it's not just a copy of that, like, someone right. had to kind of interpret that, and so, um, it was sort of my first kind of thought about, oh, you know, the, the things that we buy, there's a design process uh, behind that, so, anyway, I just, I've always really um, liked that vehicle, I've got a bunch of different foreign boxed uh, variations, and I said, here in this frame section, I've got a, uh, yeah, so let's go through all three of them. So we got this is a, a what is that? It's like a blueprint thing. It, it, it's a it's a it's a photograph of the original mechanical drawing um, for the X-wing design, and I got it from someone who had uh, ILM uh, connections, and so it's a you know this, and then below if you go below the um, the, presentation the presentation board, board there's a concept board for the power of the force. X-Wing, and so a packaging concept, and so, you know, it's not a complete run, but it kind of sort of shows the idea of, like, this is, here's here's the movie item, uh -huh. you know, here's, it's getting translated from the movie to the toy line, and then here's the last thing that they were <laughs> presenting in terms of, this is the toy line, so, you know, I probably won't build up an extensive X-Wing, you know, pre-production Right, we don't have like, to, I don't you know, think. Like, you know, it's like, you know, right here, like, you know, these, to me, these three pieces sort of represent the, the, the spectrum of... Uh, of 
for me what uh, right and then the fact that this was the birth of your pre-production collecting just seeing it and figuring out the mechanisms and yeah. well i think that i i looked in the right direction that's a great story all right so, all right thanks Todd. thanks that was great that was the right piece to fix thanks i i i can't wait to listen to I indeed cannot wait to listen to it. I don't know. I just, the whole thing that maybe doesn't quite come through was I was looking in literally an endless sea of Star Wars toys and I just randomly pointed to this one thing that was in front of, you know, very clear, valuable pieces. And I just said, I don't know, describe this. And Todd was kind of sheepish and like, oh, I don't know if it's interesting. And then you, you have essentially three different forms of presentation of the most iconic uh, ship in Star Wars. So uh, really cool and uh, awesome. Appreciate all the hospitality. I believe that leaves us. Now, here's the thing. We also recorded a whole interview with the furthest from folk. Uh, out in Hedfords, Hedfordshire, Farthington, no, <laughs> farthest Farmington. Okay, from farthest Farmington, England, and I was going to include that here at the end, but it's eleven sixteen p.m. and I want to try to finish editing this podcast by midnight so that I can release it on the 20th anniversary. So next month, we will have maybe a little bit of Rebel Commander, a little bit of whoever is next. Uh, Steve and I will talk about our new foci, because Steve is going into a new area, and so am I. And we're doing all this fun stuff. And baby, we're just getting started, baby. I said baby twice, because I said the first time, I thought if I repeated it again, it would sound better. Uh, You can maybe hear a little bit of that. uh, I just got an email from Steve. Ooh, Steve says, quote, Hi, Gus. This is an email to Gus. Things should, be go- things should be pretty close for going live tonight. Bart is at a meeting until 8.30, and since he's working on getting the new front page ready to go, he'll be able to give the best update on where things go. The blog is ready to go. Bart should be chiming in shortly. Stay tuned. Steve. So I guess that's his way of saying adios. Hi- oh. Well, of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you must be fascinated by how fantasy baseball is going. I was in first place, and then my first, second, fourth, and fifth round draft pick all ended on season-ending injuries, and then I did some deft pickup on the waiver wire, and I'm currently in first place by two points, but it probably will not stand. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, more good things to come from the archive, from the Kivecast, from the Steve, and from the Wampa Wampa. Chewbacca. <laughs>